0: Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Imagine if you could invite all your favorite authors down to Key West for a weekend and party with them. This happens every year at the Key West Literary Seminar. They invite authors from all over to spend a few days together in a place that's rich with literary history. And it's not just for writers, it's for readers. Fans can listen to conversations between some of the greats and party with them after because, you know, it's Key West. Key West is America's fishnet for writers. Countless authors have lived or written there. Imagine a place where Ernest Hemingway and Robert Frost get into a fistfight on the beach. Arlo Haskell is the man who brings them together. He's the executive director of the seminar, and he's a conch, a Key West native. He invited only Florida authors to the next seminar in January. The theme is Florida, the state we're in. You'll see a lot of past Sundial guests there. Dave Barry, Patricia Engel, Jonathan Escoffrey, Tanana Revdu. I could go on, but that's eating into Arlo's time. Frankly, we're jealous we can't be there. So, let's talk to Arlo about it. Welcome, Arlo.
1: Thank you so much, Carlos. It's really great to be on the show.
0: I mean, just that list of names, I I'm I'm so I'm so jealous of you that uh that that you get to kind of host these uh, these wild, interesting characters. Oh know, man, them.
1: it's it's uh, it, it really is a lot of fun. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, that 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 is my life. I do get to invite all of these great writers down to Key West and and throw a four day book party. It's it's awesome. And it's the the thing that to me that's the most interesting is that it's this idea that it's not just because
0: you hear a seminar and you think oh it's these writers coming together as like a, a kind of a working with each other, but really. It's like a celebration of it's 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 letting fans into the building and and have them have that contact, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think that you're you're right. The title seminar, you know, makes it seem you know intellectual and heady, and it is that. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, you know very informal, very intimate, very fun. It's it's you know it's smart people getting together to talk about the books that they love and and uh, you know to hear from some of the great writers on stage.
0: So talk to me about the theme this year because I know you guys you guys try to theme it and bring in different authors different years so it's not just the same folks every year Uh, but this year you're kind of are drilling down on Florida right Florida Florida the state we're in tell me about what was interesting to you about turning the camera inward
1: yeah well you know a couple of things um you know Florida uh has has come a long way like culturally Mm -hmm. and in a literary sense um over the last, you know, forty years or so, last year, Key West Literary Seminar we celebrated our our 40th anniversary, and as we kind of entered into our fifth decade, we wanted to a little bit kind of look back at our roots as an organization, and um, you know, the the roots of the seminar really goes back to a guy named David Kaufelt. Um, his wife, Lynn Kaufelt, were the the co-founders um, of our group back in 1983, and and David had uh, moved down to South Florida from New York. He was in publishing. He was a novelist. Um, And he was just trying to put together like a a book event in Key West. He was talking to New York publishers, said, you know, let's bring some of your writers down. There's a lot of readers down here. A lot of people want to want to see these um, these folks. And 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 the timing of
0: it is interesting, too, because the Miami Book Fair also turned 40 this year. Exactly. So it seems like folks were already literary minds were already coming together and saying, let's let's. Let's
1: create a draw here. Let's bring some attention here. Exactly, exactly. There was this, you know. I mean, we grew up sort of side by side with the Book Fair. We were out there, you know, one year, one year earlier, and then the Book Fair came oh, along. But oh. the, but the word that that David Kafel got back from New York publishers when he tried to to put together this book tour, they said they said nobody in Florida reads. Oh, nobody in Florida buys books. Oh my god! Like, and, I want to, I want to, I want to <laughs> throw the gloves off right now. <laughs> and so David said, okay, you know. Forget it. Like, we don't need you, New York. We're gonna do it ourselves. Because he knew all of these great writers that were living in Key West. I mean, we had James Merrill living in Key West. You had um you had you had Joy Williams there. You had all this history of Ernest Hemingway and Wall Stevens and Robert Frost, and you had this this, you know, really vibrant um literary community. And he said, okay, we can do it ourselves. So the first couple of seminars were just that. It was just uh, Key West writers, South Florida writers, people that, you know, David knew from the neighborhood putting on this event. And and 40 years later, um, you know, it's come to be uh, an event that is very well regarded around the country. We're, we're fortunate in that, you know, we can reach out to, to writers of all disciplines and all genres and generally get a, a pretty favorable response. Um, right. And so, yeah, we wanted to kind of bring it back home and and look at Florida. Florida is always the center of attention, you know, for the country and. Uh, and kind of, you know, take a little bit of a look a, about how far Florida has come in a, in a literary sense and how now, you know, nobody would say, like, nobody reads books in South Florida. That's right. that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to me,
0: take me back a little bit because Key West has long been, like you were saying, there were some folks who were who were local to Key, Key West has long been a place for authors and writers to create. Why do you think that is? What is it about Key West that, that has drawn writers over the years?
1: You know, it's a good question. It's a question I get asked a lot. And, and um, my answer is a little, you know, uh, uh, heady perhaps. But, but what I think, um, what I think writers are looking for fundamentally is a sense of perspective, The mm. point of view, you know, is an important literary technique. And writers need to get a little bit of a distance from their subject uh, before they can write about it. Mm-hmm. And I think for American writers, uh, what Key West offers is, Uh, A sort of one foot in the American experience and one foot out, you know, on the sort of crossroads to the Caribbean experience. So you're, you're in the United States, but you're just far enough away that you can kind of like turn around, look over your shoulder, and get a real perspective on American culture and on American life. And I think that that sense of distance of perspective um has really been something that that has you know creatively uh, uh propelled a lot of writers who have come to Key West right writers and creatives in general I mean obviously yeah. mm-hmm. Key, uh, you know Jimmy Buffett famously
0: from yeah Key West. so like yeah. lots yeah. of musicians over the years and songwriters and literacists folks who are just kind of creating and so it's a little bit of um it's kind of getting out getting out of uh
1: of like the regular state of mind a little bit and looking
0: uh, and actually having like, like a different cultural influence influences too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's that, and you know, the, the, the weather doesn't hurt, you know, a lot of the, uh, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, the literary, uh, you can write write outdoors, uh, (laughs) for like 10 months out of the year, maybe, you know, New York is still the center of the publishing industry. And, uh, it doesn't hurt when you, when you invite people to come to Key West in January for something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, it's always drawn writers. And then, um, uh, writers are then drawn by their sort of predecessors that have come to key west i mean hemingway is such a legend and so you know i think about talking to a writer like tom mcgwain who when he moved to Key West in the late 60s, was really sort of drawn by Hemingway's ghost and was really you know, engaged with that. Um, I think about Elizabeth Bishop, who came uh, for the first time in the late 1930s, and she was really drawn there initially by, um, by Wallace Stevens and by his poetic descriptions of South Florida. So poets begetting poets yeah, and, exactly. and
0: writers begetting writers, right? right? Mm-hmm. So this event, obviously it's built up over time, try, tell me a little bit about how the event has changed over the years, right? Because it used to go from like, like an indoor event, like a closed-in event, and now it's kind of like a like big outdoor venue. Like it's right. kind of become this uh, concert vibe, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the last uh, what three four years have been you know full of changes in in every aspect of life for all of us. So yeah, for years we had the event, um, you know, downtown in this little theater in mm-hmm. Key West. Um, it was great. It would sell out immediately, literally a year in advance, we would put tickets on sale and we would be completely sold out in less than five minutes. Wow. Um it was Which great. is great, but also <laughs> exclusive, right? Exclusive, right. Yeah. It was it was great, but so many people were left wanting to attend that couldn't. Um, so, you know, when the pandemic came around, we just had to, we had to readapt. We couldn't we couldn't do it indoors for a couple of years. And we decided to reinvent it as an outdoor event at the, this beautiful, you know, outdoor venue, the Coffee Butler Amphitheater in Key West. Um, and that's where we've been, I guess this will be our third year outdoors. Um, and yeah, you're out there. You're you're you know you're right by the ocean. Um, you've got the kind of palm trees all around you. It's oh, a very it's a very like Key West vibe in right. a way that before uh, it wasn't. Some people before would say, "Wait a minute, I'm going to come all the way to Key West and like sit in the dark uh, <laughs> in a yeah. theater for a few days." So now you can you can you know hear all these writers. But yes, it's in an outdoor venue. It's there's um you know there's lots of capacity, and you know consequently we can just we can. Uh, you know, do a better job of fulfilling our mission and just like reaching a lot more readers and there's a lot more opportunity for people to come in.
0: Tell me about that and the way that it's changed. Like, what are some moments that you've seen now that it's open, that it's an open venue, and and if the whole goal is really to involve readers, because mm-hmm. so much of it is is people people who just love reading, who love um, the activity, not so much like a writer's thing. So tell me about how you've seen it. Uh, like
1: benefit readers
0: in a, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in a way that you like.
1: Well, it has a it has a more casual quality, right? And mm-hmm. I think people sometimes people are you know intimidated uh, by a literary event. They think, oh, that's not for me. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not a I'm not a writer. Is this really something for me? And now it's you know just like if you um, if you're <clears throat> if you're a fan of music you go to a concert. You don't have to know how to play the guitar or play the <laughs> piano to go to a concert. Everybody just knows you go and you listen and you have a great time. That's a great analogy, and, yeah. And that's what the literary seminar you know is all about. It's just about coming in as a reader, you know, listening to to these great writers on stage and, and learning from them, uh, whether for entertainment or for, you know, more, you know, whether you're a writer as well yourself. Um, so, but it's it's fun to see people bring their families, you know, little kids can can roam around and don't have to feel like hemmed in by the confines of the theater, can kind of run on the grass while it's happening. People bring their dogs sometimes to run around. Um, and it's just, it's a fun, you know, casual vibe out there.
0: Talk to me about some of the moments that you remember over the years, just interesting things that happened that you're like, man this could only happen in a place like this
1: whether it's authors or interactions between people and authors yeah gosh uh i mean so so every year we focus on a different um literary topic and last year for our 40th anniversary was singing america a celebration of black literature um and opening night keynote speaker was kevin young who's a you know an amazing poet and um is director of uh of the Smithsonian, uh, excuse me, the Smithsonian Museum of Black Culture um, hmm. in Washington D.C. So he gave the keynote, and then following his keynote, we had a forty-member gospel choir from Florida Memorial University, the uh, Ambassador Corral, wow. come down and just give this like knockout. Um, you know gospel performance, and so the 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 combination of those two things together—you know, words and music, and all the history and tradition—you know, interwoven there. I mean, that was that was that was profound. That was really beautiful. That's um, really interesting. I'm curious how those events
0: like then come together to build out the literary community, right? Because that was ultimately what you guys were had mm-hmm. set out to do as as an institution. Like, how do we get? How do we build the interest that's here and and continue to feed it by, right, by right.
1: attracting people yeah. here? Talk to me about how this event helps to play into that. Yeah, yeah, you know that really speaks to our you know mission as an organization. I mean, you know, um, number one, we're we're focused on. Supporting discussions around mm-hmm. literature, around you know important books and their authors. Um, you know, number two, are we're, we're about um, Key West's literary history. We're about protecting Key West literary history, preserving it, but not not just um, preserving it like encased in amber. You know, as a part of the past, but making sure that it's really this like active, vital, you know, living tradition today. Um, so, you know, we, we uh, award a lot of scholarships every year to teachers and librarians, to writers from all around the country. We want to make sure that literary culture in Key West continues to, you know, draw a lot of people. Um, Key West, like like Miami, like all of South Florida, has, you know, changed so much over the last 40 years for good in terms of cultural development and for bad in terms of development development and, and overpricing of housing and just... You know, it's it's an expensive place, right? Um, right? So we, you know, put a lot of our resources into into bringing um, writers to experience Key West and to, you know, let people like engage with with that culture and just yeah, just make sure that that's part of of what's happening today. Talk talk to me about that about making the event
0: uh, making the event and these events more accessible because you said you know obviously you're giving back to teachers to librarians mm-hmm. to to folks who who have a, an interest in the written word. Um, talk to me
1: about how you've done that and why that why that's so important to what to continuing it. Yeah, I mean that's a it's a real <clears throat> you know passion of mine. Um, uh, you know, teachers and librarians are so important for literary culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that's where we you know uh, encounter books, where we where we where we get get our books. Um, and so this scholarship program that that we started um, well, about a decade ago, I guess, is oh, wow. particularly for teachers and librarians of all kinds like we'll bring in you know uh, first grade teachers middle school teachers college professors community librarians you know university librarians just people who are doing good work in their communities to bring books to whoever their community is and so we we get you know tons of applications every year for this program and we just try to find um, you know the right sort of class of people we bring them down to Key West you know everything is covered for them and what we hope is that they come to Key West and they they have this you know, really rewarding kind of uh, you know moving experience that that rewards them for all the work they've put in and like energizes them to go back to their community. So a little bit of that like Key West literary tradition and energy can like radiate out into the country into into other parts of the world.
0: Our guest today is Arlo Haskell. He's an author, historian, and the executive director of the Key West Literary Seminar. Arlo, you've put on such a, a, a great event here now going on forty-one years, right? And um, and it's not just a job that you do. It's this is something that's very that's it's part of your your growing up, right? Like going back to like your mom, she was a previous executive. Yeah, director,
1: yeah, right? yeah. It's a it's a real family affair. <laughs> um, when I was a, a kid, um, my mom Monica Haskell was the executive director of Q S Literary Seminar for I think eight or nine years, um, and for a time the seminar offices were in the house. You know, I, I grew up in. So, you know, I grew up like knowing this organization i grew up knowing the literary community of key west and and really just like steeped in in that tradition um so you know then years later my mom had left that job i would like volunteer when i was home for college you know more years went by and then i stumbled into like a part-time job uh with the seminar in like 2008 and steadily built that part-time job into a full-time job and Mm. then eventually took over from our former director uh, Miles Frieden um, back in 2015 and you know have had the great uh, privilege uh, to be running the show um, ever since. Uh, Uh, Your mom
0: clearly had a love for writing and reading and and she she put a great importance on on that T- talk to me about what what that household was growing was like growing up in when it was the
1: festival was literally based out of your
0: out of your house.
1: Yeah, you know, I I grew up um, you know literally surrounded by books. We had lots of bookshelves in the house. Uh, I I grew up uh, with with um, you know print newspapers arriving on the doorstep every day. Reading the Miami Herald. Who were know, the big the QS Citizen. Who were uh, the big readers in your life? Yeah. Well, uh, who were the big uh, Readers, yeah, a reader, because it's always there's always got you have to have like a culture of reading around you, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I you know, I, all I remember is that. I was reading from from the earliest age, and no. I was reading stuff that was like way above my age level that I probably shouldn't have been reading. <laughs> <laughs> you know, reading like Stephen King as a little kid um, and and reading kind of like South Florida writers, reading, uh, I don't know if you remember Tropic Magazine, the Sunday insert that used to come in the Miami Herald. Absolutely. love
0: all the greats, Carl Heist, uh, yes.
1: Tanana Reeve Du, they
0: all went through Tropic. Yeah. You know, Dave Barry, they all wrote for Tropic at right. some
1: point. Right. love that yeah. magazine. Remember like reading that as a, you know, 9, 10, 11 year old kid and, and uh, coming up to speed on, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever was there. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, my mom is, is still, a, you know, a, a big reader. And, um, you know, just I just grew up with that as very much um, part of my world. I'll say, you know, the funny thing is um, I... I knew about Key West's history of writers. You know, I knew about Ernest Hemingway and Elizabeth Bishop, who we should talk about a little bit more later as well. Yeah, um, you guys the, the seminar bought, bought her house. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew about Wall Stevens, but I didn't know that like anybody else knew about them and cared about them. It was really only when I went to college, you know, 18, 19 years old, and I took some literature classes, took some poetry classes, and I realized, oh, these are these are big deals. These are these are names that people care about. Elizabeth Bishop. I thought I thought it's just like a local poet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so that was a uh, you know that was kind of eye opening. It was uh, you know I, I grew up knowing writers as people who were. You know, down the street, so to speak, even if they weren't literally down the street, but it was a very like casual kind of relationship. So, for you, as a little bit of a change of perspective,
0: like the reason that people come down to Key West to have a change of perspective, you kind of had to leave to see, like, oh, this
1: this is an interesting, important literary place. Exactly. I mean, I think that's often the case. People grow up and and you don't realize what's special about your hometown until you leave it necessarily right and that was definitely the case for me with with uh you know in terms of the literary history there
0: when did when did you start really um focusing on that on on the writing side of your interest but also kind of Telling the story of Key West because yeah. that's been a mm-hmm. part of your your background in your work, too
1: Right, right. Well, I came up um, You know as a poet. I mean poetry is my first love as a writer, and that's what I studied um,
0: Who, you know, who encouraged a, you to that what what brought you to that art form and gosh? Who um, I
1: I was into writing poetry as a teenager I, I would be embarrassed to look at any of it now, <laughs> you know, but I was into writing poetry at, certainly in high school I had journals yeah. and journals of poetry um, and again when I got to college I had the opportunity to study with um, great poet John Ashbery uh, at college and and it really opened my mind up to a whole whole different you know world of, of what uh, what poetry what contemporary American poetry is like
0: in, in what way what way did that do that that made you think differently
1: gosh um, it was just I, I don't know how to describe it it's like if you if if you've never had a certain kind of like delicious food before and you bite it and it just like blows your mind about what the possibilities are. Um, you know, working with with Ashberry at Bard College, it was just a different level of poetry and it was it was something that engaged with the world in, in very, you know, different, exciting ways for me. Um,
0: um and, and so part of that part of that is also, you know, so much of writing is is finding ways to tell your story or show mm-hmm. your your perspective. Right. How did how did that how did you return to Key West
1: and sure. the idea of yeah. telling stories about yeah this place and my the yeah. way I fit into it right so my first writing about Key West was poetry and then when I started working professionally with the seminar I was actually initially working to kind of like tell our story to uh, to a broader audience and I started digging into the histories of poets and writers who had lived in Key West so uh-huh. I was writing very short nonfiction pieces about. Wall Stevens about the fight that Wall Stevens and, and Ernest Hemingway had history is about Elizabeth oh, I got, Bishop in Key West. I got to hear that. Yeah. Did, did we have it
0: wrong at the beginning? That was Robert Frost and him.
1: You did. We did. But, <laughs> I told you, correct me if we get something yeah. wrong. Yeah. Stevens and Frost met in Key West and also didn't really get along, but, but Stevens and, and Hemingway actually came to blows on a street corner, you know, in the middle of a, of a rainstorm one night. <laughs> Do we know what that was all about? Uh, what was it all about? Um, Stevens had been at a party, um, had bad-mouthed Ernest Hemingway to um, Ernest Hemingway's like niece or cousin or something like that. And somebody ran home to tell Ernest Hemingway he came back and, and challenged uh, Stevens to a fight. And and Stevens landed the first punch, uh, as the story goes, but broke his hand uh, punching uh, Hemingway's jaw. Well, that, that's <laughs> almost a compliment for Hemingway, yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, it didn't end very well for Stevens. Stevens ended up with his arm in a sling and, and the busted hand. Um, and uh, you know, didn't speak much about it in later years, but it, it winds up in you know his biography. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! And it's like, oh, have you guys had? Okay, yeah. spill some tea here. Have you had
0: some moments? You've had this festival for forty years, and we know writers are all a <laughs> weird, a weird,
1: strange bunch. Yeah. Have you had some moments without naming names? Where you're like. This could only happen at a, at a thing like this. Here, here's where I'll say, you know, writers of Florida, if you come to um, Key West this January, your secrets are safe with me. You know, what, <laughs> what, what happens at the literary seminar stays at the literary seminar right. it's, is, is lost is lost uh, among uh, barrels of rum. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I jumped from writing those kind of short form um, nonfiction pieces um and then I got uh, interested in the history of the Jewish community in Key West. Um, Interesting. Are you Jewish background yourself? I, I am not. Uh, my wife is Jewish. Our, our daughters are Jewish. Um, but I, I took on that history uh, initially as a as a as a Key West history project. I was I was approached by a woman named Susie Savage, who had done a lot of um, you know background uh, history, collecting family histories, family documentation, family photographs. Um, had long thought that she would write. Um, this this story of of the Juzuki west and then realized ah i need somebody else to to take this to the finish line so i i took that book on actually initially almost as like a ghost written kind of project mm-hmm. i was i looked at her materials i said oh yeah this is great this is interesting i can do this in a couple of years and turn it out um and i got deeper into her research and was just like fascinated and and also a little suspicious of some of the family stories which i felt like were too fantastical to like be this, true.
0: this deserves some scrutiny, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs>
1: exactly. I was like, no, how, your Lithuanian great-grandfather collaborated with Jose Marti and ran weapons to the Cuban rebels in the mountains to overthrow the Spanish Empire. That seems that seems far-fetched. That couldn't happen. So I started out, like, to try to fact-check some mm-hmm. of these stories I heard. Um, found out in the course of my research that these stories were true. That story in particular was true. And, and not only... Was it true that it was like this one person, Louis Fine, involved, but that it was a whole generation of Jewish men in Key West who had collaborated with the Cuban rebels of the 1880s and 1890s? Wow. Um, so you,
0: you were able to kind of trace these these uh, these iconic moments that, uh, that was part of Jewish history, but it was also part of... Integral to Key West history.
1: Absolutely. And I would say part of, you know, Caribbean history and really significant regional history that hadn't been um, that hadn't been explored before and had been. But for that one family had been kind of lost from family history. Mm. Uh, Other families didn't talk about it. Uh, Like the
0: cigar trade, for instance, is something mm -hmm. that we always uh, attribute with right with uh, with uh, with Cuban immigrants and, and, and Cuban migrants. Coming to Key West first to set up the first uh, cigar industry, but that that had a, a Jewish connection. The beginning, Absolutely,
1: right? I mean the the cigar industry, you know, in South Florida was really it really was started by these you know Jewish tobacco magnates like, really uh, like Julius Ellinger, Samuel Seidenberg, Pinkus Pohowski who who then got into it, you know, alongside of Eduardo Gatto and some of the other big Cuban manufacturers at the time. Um, so all of that, you know, history was just it was it was fascinating to me, and it became what what had started as a a sort of like I said a ghost written you know work kind of project became a total labor of love and I sunk you know seven years of my time into it doing a ton of you know documentary research primary um, sources research and uh, and building out you know that book the Jews of Key West uh, which which came out uh, oh I don't know a few years ago 2019 I think okay. well that I think that kind of really ties into your your pride
0: of from being from Key West mm. not just pride, but like You're from a place and you leave and then you have like this this interest, this keen interest in it, and you kinda look at it in a different way, maybe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean Key West is a is a fascinating place. It's a fascinating place to live and to study. I think I think there's something about how small it is, you know, it's only five square miles. How old it is, it it way predates Miami, like Miami was in nobody's imagination when Key West was this like bustling metropolis that was right along the, you know, ocean going highway routes from New York to Havana to, to New Orleans, and so there's so much going on there historically, so much happening, and you you can, because it's so small, you can like trick yourself into thinking that you can learn everything, which is, which is tempting as like a reader and a writer. Um, Um, and and yet the more layers you scratch away just like the more fascinating stuff is so it's just uh, it's an endlessly fascinating place and and yeah it's my home so I feel like I'm learning uh, learning something about the place I grew up I'm learning something that I can you know pass on to my children Um, even in learning history as I you know you asked if if i was jewish and my my book is dedicated to my wife and to my daughter aviva mm-hmm. through whom this history has become my own like i you know i've learned this history and i get to pass it on to my jewish daughters growing up in in key west today it's mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's it's a beautiful thing
0: and the, the seminar that you helped put on is kind of, uh, it seems like an extension of that, a real pride in, in a pride in place. So talk to me about what folks, if folks are going for the first time, what kind of things can they expect?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're coming to the seminar for the first time, you're just, you're going to see amazing, amazing writers as, as you said, you know, Carlos at the top of the show, um, you know, amazing Florida readers like, like Dave Barry, like Carl Hyacin, who who you're going to have on the show, uh, this week, uh, Tanana Reeve-Doo, who you had on the show recently and just great, conversations. We mm-hmm. we we don't do a lot of like prepared presentations or just book readings. We really lean heavily on the conversation format. We try to do, you know, what you and I are doing on the show right now to have kind of unscripted unpredictable conversations about, um, you know, whatever comes up between Carl Hyasson and Dave Barry, talking about their their shared history and their shared interests and their writing. Right. Uh, you know, we might put Tanana Reeve-Due together with Gilbert King to talk about um, their very different works exploring, you know, kind of racial violence in North Florida during the, the years of the 30s and 40s. Um, and so we we just... You never know what you're going to get at a, at a Key West Literary Seminar conversation. It's going to be surprising. It's going to be something that's only happening you know, on that stage. Um, it's unique, and it's it's special. And hopefully not uh, fisticuffs on the beach. Right. Hopefully <laughs> not that. We have never had that, to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that you'll admit to. Yeah. <laughs> well, our
0: guest today is Arlo Haskell. He's the executive director of the Key West Literary Seminar, which is happening from January 11th to the 14th. Arlo, you have a kind of a deep history and a deep interest in Key West um, because you're from there, and um, obviously the seminar is an extension of that, bringing great authors from around the country um, here uh, to talk about, you know, the literary community. And um, but part of it of your work in Key West is also just the preservation of Key West. You, if I'm not mistaken, you were involved with um, with the um, the Cleaner, Safer Ships group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Now, I that it's funny because. Carl Hyacin has a, a fictionalized version of that in his new book, Wrecker, yep. and we'll we're, we'll be airing our conversation with Carl tomorrow about it. But I want you to tell us the inspiration of it, that cleaner, safer ships. What What is the problem that Key West was facing that you as a local were like, I need to be involved in this?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, I was, I was born and raised in Key West, grew up, uh, you know, snorkeling and diving and, and fishing down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, have seen the steady degradation of the coral reef environment in, in, in the Florida Keys. Um, have also, you know, seen for, you know, my entire life uh, that the local community uh, is not a big fan of the, the cruise ship traffic in Key West. Um, The problem with cruise ships in Key West, uh, the large ones that come there, um, they're really uh, too big. Uh, too deep drafted to go into our very shallow channel very um, shallow harbor and so they cause this physical disturbance of the bottom I mean they literally muddy the water in front of your eyes and that that mud uh, turbidity and sedimentation is is um, you know bad for corals it's it's lethal to corals especially you know juvenile species of a lot of corals and
0: it's like such a part of the like one of the things that draws people to Key West is is Absolutely. that is that part of the beauty for it. So it's the it's kind of like the um, you know, like the too many tourists visiting idea mm-hmm. kind of spreading from there. But you
1: guys did something about it, right? So um, you know during the pandemic when cruise ship traffic stopped, um, what we noticed in Key West it was kind of like a it was it was like a real life test of a hypothesis. You Mm -hmm. know, we always thought, and lots of people always thought that cruise ships are causing this like chronic, uh, turbid water conditions around Key West and that activity stopped and everything else pretty much stayed the same on the waters and the water got, um, you know, Pretty dramatically and noticeably clearer. Um, so it was the kind of you know firsthand environmental evidence that um, that that compelled us to act and to put three referendums on the ballot in Key West. We thought, well, the people who live here ought to be able to decide how much cruise ship traffic we're going to get.
0: And you le- kind of led that charge, the Cleaner right. Ships Group, mm-hmm. to to get those referendums
1: on it, and and it worked, right? The lo- the residents voted. It worked. We put three referendums on the ballot in November 2020. Um, um, they all passed. Two of them got 60% of the vote. Another one got 80% of the vote. Uh, I mean, it was overwhelmingly popular to put these, you know, basically common sense size restrictions on sh- cruise ship activity. Like
0: only certain size ships exactly. uh, can, can make their itinerary here because right.
1: bigger ones will destroy our ecosystem, part right. of our ecosystem. Right. Not not a ban on ships. We've never had a problem with smaller ships coming in, but, sure. a, but a limitation that said, uh, you know, only ships of a certain size can right. come in. So um, it sounds like a, a great win, perfect. It, uh, it great was. For a, Key it West. was a great win for a couple of weeks, and then, <laughs> oh, no, and then what? And then, uh, and then the state legislature got involved, and a bill was introduced, um, backed by a developer who operates uh, one of the private cruise ship terminals in Key West. Oh, um, uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not surprising at all. Uh, and uh, a, a bill was passed. That bill was defeated. Actually, we brought a lot of effort to, d- to defeat that bill, and we were successful. And it looked like. An Another great moment for half a minute. and then an amendment was slipped into the transportation bill at the last minute, which um, preempted the local uh, laws that had been put into effect in the city of Key West uh, essentially uh, saying that those those laws, Key West's laws couldn't be enforced. Uh, the governor signed it. and we were kind of back to to square, one, except that uh, the people of Key West knew that they had been robbed. It was clearly demonstrated that a great majority of people didn't want this activity to, to happen. Uh, and that, that um, you know, that Democratic vote was, was overturned and that right of self-representation was, was taken away from, from our community. Um, I, I, I'm, I, must, I, I can't imagine how that must have felt to, to
0: create this effort as someone who's locally who has... Your low your investment is your hometown and mm-hmm, have that kind mm-hmm. of overturn
1: you know it it, it hurts um, and uh, it it compelled us to keep working okay so mm-hmm. so the committee for safer cleaner ships is myself my brother and the Benson brothers boys that we grew up with down there we've known each other our entire life and 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 when we care about something we keep fighting and we don't give up so since that time we have continued to advocate at the local level for Means that the legislature left open to us uh, to continue to place limitations on cruise ships, and in fact, today we have now, um, you know, our efforts have have gotten the city to put into place a number of policies. Most of these fairly quiet uh, that have reduced cruise ship operations in Key West by about fifty percent. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so even though the big story was, you know, referendum passes, governor overthrows the referendum. Quietly, we have since then put together other city policies um, and have have made a you know really a, a big big impact on that ship traffic. So that you know environmentally damaging activity is now down by about fifty percent. Wow! Wow! Okay, that is something definitely then mm-hmm. to to be to be proud of.
0: Well, I think that kind of goes into your the, your idea of this preservation effort, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It could, because caring about the history of a place and like what was there before, but also who can who can benefit from this in the future. Right.
1: And part of that is you guys bought um the Bishop House, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, the Key West Literary Seminar. We bought um this historic uh home where the great American poet Elizabeth Bishop lived in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties, you know. Uh and, and, and you're right. I mean my At my core, I I mean, I love Key West and I want to I want to protect what's um, left in Key West, what's valuable in Key West, the heritage, the history, the environment. Um, And so what we're doing with Elizabeth Bishop's house, um, it's a it's a house that has remained largely untouched since the 1930s. It is extremely rare, as you know, in South Florida for a home not to be like remodeled every six months within an inch of its life (laughs) and to have all kinds of like crazy modern concepts thrown at a beautiful historic building this building has wood floors wood walls wood ceilings it never had a granite you know kitchen <laughs> no granite countertop and then... it never had drywall put in it never had air conditioning okay it was just this simple key west conch house built in the 1890s lived in uh, by elizabeth bishop in the 30s and 40s so you know we recognize this as a real architectural gem a real piece of key west history a piece of national american literary history and uh, you was a guy who grew up reading her not both reading her work and as
0: you know the, the folks down the street, mm-hmm. what is it like to move through her house now? And it's, no one, I mean, it's what it's, is that?
1: It's it's like it's one of the most exciting things I've ever done. It's so special. She she wrote so many letters about this house, about this neighborhood, about her life in Key West. So it's like you really have a sense of her in this space. Um, and yeah, we've been we've been working on restoring this house uh, for about four years now, and we're the end is in sight. Although it's still probably a year out from now, um, and ultimately, when we're finished with our restoration, um, the Elizabeth Bishop House in Key West will become you know the new headquarters of the Key West Literary Seminar and uh, open to the public um, poetry garden in Key West. So the public will be able to come through and and learn about Bishop's life and legacy in Key West, that era in Key West, through the the plants and the fruits that. That she knew and loved in Key West, um, and yeah, it'll be a, you know, hopefully if we do it all right, it'll be a real portal, you know, into that time and kind of an opportunity to see Key West through the eyes of this great American poet. Well, that's one of those things that that sometimes is like
0: you said is lost to development is you lose pieces of those history mm-hmm. and enable this kind of stand in a place and and put yourself in a different time. Uh, in, in the backyard, are there going to be sapodillas? Right, because
1: isn't that wasn't that a, wasn't that a, a, a fruit a fruit of some notoriety? We've got we're just, we're working on the garden plan right now, and and Bishop wrote about what was growing there, right? So she she wrote about bananas, uh, muscadine grapes, avocados, mangoes, um, uh, sugar apple. So those are all going to be growing there. Sapodilla weren't growing on the property, so we're going to let those. You know, there are some other because uh, you were <laughs> places telling me, around town.
0: You were telling me some story about Stevens and Frost.
1: Uh, That's right. I mean, one Stevens of the uh, one of the like great ways to learn Key West literary history is reading letters written by writers who have been there. And one of my favorites, I was telling you offline, is uh, when Wallace Stevens and, and Robert Frost had lunch at the Casa Marina. And, and Wallace Stevens writes about bringing um, Frost a, a bag of sapodillas. And then they share a bowl of, of conch chowder on the porch. <laughs> you, you should just
0: do little one-act plays, and one of them should be a recreation of the Hemingway oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stevens uh, fight. I, I, just, I feel like I need to see that. I feel like the yeah. people would appreciate that. Um, talk to me about um, the things in this seminar that you're excited
1: about. Let's talk about some of those particular yeah. events
0: that you're you're curious to, sure. to see go off. You know? Well,
1: I'm really excited. Our, the keynote address, you know, the thing that kicks off the seminar is Jeff Vandermeer, and um, I actually I had never read Jeff Vandermeer until about a year ago mm-hmm. uh, when I started kind of getting ready for the seminar. And I, furthermore, I don't read a lot of speculative fiction, uh, which is which is Vandermeer's you know domain. Well, what uh, the New Yorker called him quote the weird Thoreau. Exactly, and and I love that. And I get it, you know. After after diving into a bunch of his books this year, and so he was inspired to write um, his kind of best known trilogy, the Southern Reach trilogy, by by hiking in through the Florida wilderness, through the St. Marks uh, Wildlife Refuge up in the Panhandle. Um, and I love the idea that you know, Florida at its wildest can really inspire almost like these otherworldly landscapes, and that's very much what happens in his work. Mm. Um, I think Florida is is so beautiful as to be otherworldly a lot of times. Uh, you know, a place like the Everglades is like endlessly wild and strange, even if you've grown up with it, you know, right in your backyard.
0: Um, well, I see Karen Russell is there, and she, she famously turned that into... A version of that into Swamplandia, yeah, kind of. She yeah. puts us a little bit of that magical realism. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so yeah, looking. We've had Karen uh, Russell with us before, and she's amazing. And I, I can't wait to see her back in Key West. Um, I was asking Jeff, like, what he's going to get into in the in the keynote, and he's he's really interested in the, this idea of water and that like water lives here in Florida. Water is the thing that you know connects all of us and, and runs through all of his fiction. And so I love that concept, and I, I'm I'm excited to see where he takes that. You know. Um, as I mentioned, the seminar is is like unscripted; it's spontaneous. You don't know what's, what's going to happen until you get there. But yes, we're going to put um, you know writers like uh, I want to talk to Carl Hyacin down there actually about um, about his early years as a journalist uh, in Miami. I, I'm always interested in, in sort of the development of of writers. Um, it seems like a,
0: a lot of these folks had some stops in Key West at some point, whether it's a yeah. little family trip or whatever. But it's a it's a reference point that that other authors uh, might not have. That that when they come down in past years, it's maybe their first exposure to. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, so how is this different when you when you have a group of kind of Floridians looking at Florida from
1: Key West? Well you know, going back to what you said at the top of the show, it is an opportunity to bring all of these writers together in one place. And really part of what we do at the seminar, what we provide to the writers is this, um, you know, this kind of, uh, I want to say pressure cooker, but that's wrong, but this like relaxed pressure cooker, creative kind of environment Mm. for, for four or five days with, with the writers where, because we're inviting them, you know, according to a theme, in this case, Florida, you know, people who have written about Florida, like they may get together. Some of them were here together at the Miami book fair this weekend, you know, some of them live in the area, but, but bringing everybody down to Key West to talk about this particular topic is just, some real magic uh, can happen at the seminar because people are relaxed, they're outside of their normal lives, and you're just getting, you know, these, these kind of amazing moments out of writers. I hate to
0: think like a TV executive, but that sounds like a reality show to me. <laughs> 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 but yeah. there, it is kind of interesting to imagine what kind of things they will come up, you know, when mm-hmm. come up with, kind of hearing each other's stories. I yeah. mean, the, we're talking about crews that are... That are Instantly inspired by one little thing to spin off into something else. Yeah,
1: right. Well, and there's so much going on right now in Florida and and you know, the eyes of the country are, are on Florida, kind of always, I think. But with the with the political campaign going on, you know, there's some there's some candidates who live in Florida who draw some eyeballs. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's environmental issues that we're dealing with first in South Florida. Um, you know, there's there's sea level rise. There's the impacts of climate change as we you know as we feel it uh, pretty acutely down here sometimes. And so I think bringing this bunch of writers together to engage with that stuff about Florida that the that the whole country is really interested in. I think it's a it's gonna be a pretty great opportunity to, you know, say where we are right now and, and maybe where we're going. Right.
0: Did you have um have you had some conversation with some authors whether either they were, you know, uh, kind of weary from talking, talking about the topics are they are they energized to, to have this discussion with, with other writers and
1: well yeah and I think that's a I think um you know we even though i reference whatever the environmental stuff and the political mm-hmm. stuff i mean our organization we're we're a literary organization that that's our heart we're interested in, in poetry and in fiction in the art of biography the art of nonfiction and so when we bring these writers together you know we're not asking them to be pundits we don't want them to be pundits we want to talk about art we want to talk about creativity and and, and fiction and so so that's where I think it's fun for everybody to engage with it yeah. and and you know that's what's um I mean at the end of the day that's what lasts the, the art is what we have after all of the other stuff you know falls away way and changes from one term to another
0: it's interesting though that a lot of people do create art out of out of um that tension you know sure uh, mm-hmm. carl hyson that's his whole career is yeah. creating art out of uh you know poking fun at politicians and you know terrible policies that affect the environment right so some of that some of that does and and uh tanana reeve whose whose whole yeah mm-hmm. her whole recent book the the, the reformatory she was right. a past guest you know uh, this this dozier school in north florida mm-hmm. that was you know uh, put kids and basically in you know, a work
1: camps and, right. and and a lot of, and some of them died. Yeah. Yeah. I also got to say I think you you mentioned Carl Hiessen and uh, and you mentioned um, his new book Wrecker, mm-hmm. set in Key West has a sort of you know, plot line about uh, an organization very much like Committee for Safer Cleaner Ships. So when I was growing up as a kid reading Carl Hyacin and Tropic Magazine, like never did I think in a million years that I would have <laughs> some role. You would role be a Carl <laughs> character. That I would have some role in inspiring uh, the plot line of a, of a Carl Hyacin novel. So I, I'm very excited to ask him about that when he comes to Key West. <laughs> well,
0: folks who tune in tomorrow will hear our, we, we had a conversation with Carl uh, on Saturday at the book fair at the 40th anniversary of the book fair and he got into a lot of those topics so Great. so kudos to you um, talking about Florida in general um, what are some of the Florida books that you've read recently that you really loved some of the ones that are even folks who haven't who maybe are from here and spend a lot of time reading stuff from outside what are some like mm-hmm. books that are about or or from Florida
1: authors that you like. These yeah. are
0: books that you need to, that yeah. you've enjoyed that you would recommend to totally.
1: Sure, you know, um, Jack Davis's uh, book, The Gulf, uh, Making of an American Sea, which won the Pulitzer Prize uh, a few years back. I, I was reading that you know, earlier this year. I mean, that's just an amazing, like profound history of, of Florida, you know, that um, goes back as, as early as that, you know, history can be, can be documented, and even before that, through some kind of, you know, geological developments in Florida. But that's just, you want like a big picture, yeah. Yeah, you're know. giving us
0: bro- you're giving us broccoli right now. Like uh, this is good for us, yeah. but now gives, <laughs> give us the melted cheese. Give us what? It, what? What? Yeah. What, uh, what other fun books have you read about Florida? T- the... Yeah,
1: I mean, I am reading Wrecker right now. Oh, are you? and that's that's great, and that's a ton of fun as as Hyacinth always is. So I'm really loving you know his his trip through the through the city of Key West and through that culture. Um, I'm a I'm a poet at my heart. I love Campbell McGrath's new book. I've been reading that. I saw him him read with Richard Blanco yesterday. Um, uh, and and Jeff Vandermeer, I gotta say, uh, the the Southern Reach trilogy is just like brilliant and mind bending and fun, fun, fun.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because you get an, a, at a seminar like this, you really see the vast the vastness of of Florida writing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go everywhere be, and anything between, you know, Lauren Goff, mm-hmm. who wrote who wrote Florida uh, and has a new book out, um, to like someone like Carl Hiaasen. Yeah, like you really cover the breadth of transplants mm-hmm. that came to Florida and like have now maybe reluctantly made this their home like Lauren Goff has versus folks who, who come with a different
1: perspective, you know? Um, so what do you, how do you think that
0: that helps when, you know, how does that benefit
1: the reader, the viewer? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a very like fundamental fact of Florida is the, 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 You know, Mm -hmm. the flow of travelers, of tourists, of snowbirds, of people who come to Florida for like a later chapter in their life. Or, you know, uh, on the other hand, people who grow up in Florida and then and then leave because of, you know, overpricing and and all of the difficulties of of trying to make it in South Florida. Um, So, yeah, I think the, the writers that are that are coming are definitely like reflect all of that. Some have been here for a lifetime. Some have come in later life, but all of them have something uh, you know, profound to, to say about the place and some, you know, some insight, uh, into the place. I just, um, just started reading Tanana Reeves, uh, book, The Reformatory. Uh, that's another one I'm, I'm really excited about. I, I, I know that history. I've studied that history as, uh, you know, from the nonfiction side as well. And so, um, you know, her, her family story and imagined in this, in this, um, you know, fictional realm is, is really exciting.
0: Well, I'm sure folks can uh, talk to her personally uh, if they go out to the seminar. Uh, Arlo, thank you so much for spending the hour with us. Thank you, Carlos. It's been a real pleasure to be on your show, and thanks to all your listeners for tuning in. Our guest today was Arlo Haskell. He's an author, historian, and the executive director of the Key West Literary Seminar. It's going on January 11th to 14th, so get your tickets now. And that's Sundial for Tuesday, November 21st. Leslie Obai-Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our Engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're bringing you Inside the Miami Book Fair. I interviewed Carl Hyson before a live audience on Saturday. The room was packed with Carl fans and Sundial fans. We talked about his new book, Wrecker, and growing up in South Florida. You'll hear that conversation next time. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only.
1: media.